the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a battle going on for the souls of men. The taste of war is ever dear. But I am safe within the arms of God's dear bride. She is the keeper of my soul. She is the church of Christ. I'll not Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Breidenbaugh of the Gospel Defender Ministries. This gospel message will encourage and equip those who have ears to hear to be a Christian, clothed with the armor of a gospel defender. Ladies and gentlemen, Apostle Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, considered it necessary to write to his spiritual brethren of the first century, who had obtained like precious faith, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. He said, There will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them. Soon thereafter, Jude, who, like Peter, was a bondservant of Jesus Christ, wrote his small epistle of only 25 verses to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, that certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter called men who denied the Lord false teachers. Jude called them ungodly men, men who had no reverence for God or for Christ. The only religion they possessed or promoted was a false religion. They denied and rejected the true Lord, Jesus the Christ, and had another Lord. Whether or not they realized it, the Lord they served was the archenemy of the true Lord, the one Lord of Ephesians 4, verse 5, who was nailed alive to the tree atop Mount Calvary for the sin of the world. The name of the one Lord is Jesus of Nazareth, the only begotten Son of God. 
The name of their Lord was and is Satan. Men on this earth still serve this evil Lord, who Apostle Paul called in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, the God of this age. The one Lord of Ephesians 4, verse 5, has a church he built and purchased with his own sinless blood, an eternal reward to be received by those who are saved from sin by his blood, and a gospel message of salvation from sin to be preached by his saved messengers. The other Lord, the devil, has his message and his messengers also. It should come as no surprise that if this other Lord had a message and messengers in the days of the apostles, he would also have them in this day long after the apostles have died. And be well assured, he does. It is not surprising that the church of Satan and his ministers know about Christ, perhaps better than even we do. Although they are ministers of Satan, they preach Christ. Ministers of Satan project themselves as ministers of Christ when they are anything but. But to appear righteous and legitimate, they speak about Christ. This they must do, because preachers are expected to speak about Christ. Some things ministers of Satan preach about Christ sound reasonable, logical, to those unschooled in the Word of God. To people such as this, the Christ ministers of Satan preach is not the Christ of the Bible. They preach that he was the Son of God, but they quickly add, aren't we all? And if we are not one now, we will be in the afterlife. The Word of Faith movement and the Church of the Latter-day Saints are guilty of this. Many are beguiled by their messages that are weaved together by copying a verse here and pasting a verse there from God's holy writ. And then ministers of Satan preach that Christ was perhaps a prophet of God. He was both a good teacher and a good man. If I were a minister of Satan, I would mesmerize my audience by my faultless oratory and do whatever I had to do to steer them from taking time to stop and analyze what I had just said. I would not want them to pause to ask themselves how one could believe that Jesus was a good teacher and a good man who claimed to be God when according to the doctrine of my denomination and cult, he could not have been. Depending on what church of Satan I served, I would preach that Jesus was really a created angel and brother of Lucifer. Rather than being a good teacher or a good man, he was really a liar, for he could not be both a creation of God and God. As I waxed eloquently, I would suggest to those sitting on the edge of their pews that Jesus must have been a deceived, deranged lunatic. And either as a liar or a lunatic, he could not be the Lord. 
as a minister of Satan standing behind my elevated pulpit, dressed in my ornate attire and holding the congregation's favorite translation in my hand. I would smile a winsome smile and ask, Really now, who among us can possibly believe that this Jesus of Nazareth was born of a virgin? That may have been something illiterate hillbillies believed in the Dark Ages, but we know about the birds and bees. We know how babies are made. Who among us can possibly believe that a virgin, whatever her age is, can have a baby? Supported by my theological degrees and the books I have written about the myths of ancient religions and how the gods of those religions procreated with other gods, I would persuade some of my congregation that there was legitimacy to my argument. I mean, after all, no one in the congregation to which I preached ever knew of anyone having a baby without having sex. And then again, as a minister of Satan, since I would know the Bible says Jesus worked miracles, I would use my advanced knowledge of science and religious history and the conclusions of highly educated and respected scholars sitting in the ivory towers of the leading departments of theology to convince my congregants that they should reconsider the miracles in the Bible that Jesus supposedly worked. I would suggest that his miracles were nothing more than metaphorical parables told by the followers of Christ to illustrate some fact about Christ's ministry. A good example to prove this would be the stilling of the tempest in Matthew chapter 8. I would suggest that what Jesus really did to a raging sea was a different kind of miracle. The boat that carried his disciples was a picture of life. The waves covering the boat were the various problems that everyone has as they steer their boat through the storms of life. It wasn't a real sea that he stilled. He stilled and calmed the anxieties of men with his talks, his sermons, and his lessons. He caused the minds of men to be at peace, not an actual sea. He was a good psychological counselor, not a miracle worker who controlled the elements of nature. No one can do that, not even Jesus. And finally, I would address the subject of his death and resurrection. They are in the Bible, and any respectable preacher must preach something about this. I would tell my audience that Jesus died as a good example to all men. That is, if in fact, he really did die on a cross. I would share with my congregation the reasons that have been suggested down through the ages to believe that he didn't actually die. But in the event he did, he died as a martyr for the message he preached. A good message but not a message unique from other martyrs. Besides, there are good reasons to believe he did not actually resurrect from his death. I would encourage everyone to respect Jesus as they should respect any martyr 
for a good cause. Ladies and gentlemen, in my personal circle of acquaintances, there is not a preacher I know who does not preach every Lord's Day a message concerning Christ. The Christ we preach is far different from the Christ preached by Satan's ministers. This is because we are not ministers of Satan, but ministers of Christ. The Christ we preach is the Christ of the Bible, not a Christ of someone's prejudicial, ignorant imagination. First, as ministers of Christ, we preach that Jesus is more than a Son of God. He is the Son of God. He is the only Son of God there ever has been or ever will be. There are not little sons of God walking among us, with Jesus being the big Son of God. There is only one Son of God, and Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, is that one. It is he of whom John 1, verses 1 through 3 speaks. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. He was not a God, as Jehovah's Witnesses preach, and he was not a created angel of God, as Mormons teach. He was God the Creator, who made all things that are made. Second, as ministers of Christ, we preach John 1, verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus did not have His beginning when He was born from a virgin's womb. As God, He preexisted His human form. He was in the beginning, before time began, as we know it. He was the only begotten, the monogenes, the unique one, the one of a kind. He was God in the flesh, God incarnate. Jesus was not created. He was not the offspring of God the Father and one of God's heavenly wives, Jesus is the eternal deity. And then, as ministers of Christ, we must take our audiences to Isaiah 7, verse 14, and read a prophecy that predated the birth of Jesus of Nazareth by some 700 years. There it is written, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. For the unschooled, we must direct their attention to the account of the birth of Jesus, recorded in the first chapter of Matthew's Gospel record. There an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, and told him Mary would be that virgin, and her son's name would be Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. A virgin giving birth to a baby? As Luke has written in Luke 1, verse 37, With God, 
nothing will be impossible. No birds and no bees were necessary for the conception and birth of Jesus, the incarnation of God, not even a man. While in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, we ministers of Christ must tell those attending our preaching sessions to turn over a few pages to Isaiah chapter 53 to read verses 3 through 5. They are about Jesus. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. No fair-minded, unprejudiced person can read the life history of Jesus and not admit that this prophecy of Isaiah was fulfilled by Jesus. Jesus was not a martyr. Jesus was and is the Savior of all men everywhere. He was and he is exactly who John the Baptizer told his disciples he was and is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. But there is more, much more, we preachers of Christ must tell a lost and dying world about this Jesus, the only begotten virgin-born Son of God. The entire book of two testaments, 66 books, and 1,089 chapters is about him. His story and his blood flows like a river through the pages of Holy Writ. Two disciples of John the Baptizer came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 while John was in prison. John had a question for Jesus. Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Jesus, are you the Messiah that we have been anticipating or have we made a mistake in thinking that you are him? Is there someone other than you we ought to be looking for? Jesus didn't answer with a yes or a no. He answered telling John's messengers to go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Why would Jesus answer John's question like that? Why not just say, Yes, tell John I am the coming one. He answered John's messengers this way because Jesus knew that John knew the scriptures recorded in Isaiah chapter 35, verses 5 and 6. Jesus did the messianic works prophesied in Isaiah. He restored sight. He caused the lame to walk. He cleansed lepers. He restored hearing to the deaf. He resurrected dead people to life. 
and he preached the gospel to everyone, including the poor. Ladies and gentlemen, there was a time when most men and people of God knew God's word. This is not true of most people today. Even many of God's people are not well versed in God's word, not even in the fundamental principles and doctrines. The old problem of almost 2,000 years ago is still the old problem. To Christians who were thinking about returning to the Old Testament law, the writer of Hebrews found it necessary to write these words. Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. To a congregation that he himself established, Apostle Paul found it needful to write these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able for you are still carnal. It is because of this same old problem that ministers of Satan are successful in pawning their false disease doctrines to an ignorant religious world. Jesus was the most hated and criticized person who ever lived. He was hated just as Isaiah had prophesied he would be hated. And as John the Apostle wrote in John 1, verse 11, he came to his own creation, and his own people did not receive him. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Peter preached to Cornelius, and yet he was hated. Crucify him! Let him be crucified! screamed the Christ deniers at the cross. The one who hates Jesus the most is Satan. And he has sent out his false, his own false apostles to corrupt the truth about Christ and to corrupt those who follow Christ. A word to the wise should be sufficient. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. More than the lost, the devil seeks to devour the saved, and he has a host of ministers sprinkled throughout Christendom who are effective in their unrighteous ministries on his behalf by preaching their false doctrines concerning the Christ. And so, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. There's a battle going on for the souls of men. The taste of war is ever dear. But I am safe within the arms of God's dear bride. 
is the keeper of my soul. She is the church of Christ. I'll not surrender. I'll not surrender. I'll not surrender. I know I'll always be a gospel defender. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick. Breidenbaugh speaking. You have just heard another Gospel Defender Ministries radio broadcast brought to you by the church that Jesus built and preaches all of the word to all of the world. Jesus said in Mark 16 verse 16, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. So find someone today who will immerse you into Christ today before it is everlastingly too late. Our mailing address is Gospel Defender Ministries, Post Office Box 575, Jellicothe, C-H-I-L-L-I-C-O-T-H-E, Jellicothe, Ohio, zip 45601. You can also contact us through the World Wide Web at gospel-defender.org or by email at agosdef, A-G-O-S-D-E-F, agosdef, at roadrunner.com. At your request, a written transcript or an audio copy of today's message will be sent to you free of charge with no obligation from you now or in the future. We need to hear from you as soon as possible, so please take the time to contact us today. Now, until you and I meet again at this same time and at this same place, our prayer is that you will be steadfastly set for the defense of the gospel. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 